Welcome into another episode of the Mean Streets Podcast. I'm William Galloway. As always, joined with Britton Johnson. Britton, Merry Christmas. Happy almost New Year. And can't believe we are approaching the end of 2022 when it seems like we've been doing podcasts for like five years now. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Um, excited to get 2023 rolling. 2022 has had its rough moments for sure, and we didn't end it on the strongest of notes from the Sanford perspective, so definitely ready for a new year coming. Well, you graduated college again in 2022. <laughs> you uh, accomplished a lot of things. You started taking divinity classes at Sanford. So what was your, uh, as we get started talking hoops, what was your number one uh, look back moment from 2020? What are you taking away from this year? Put me on the spot there. Um, I don't know, like not that the season didn't end the way we wanted it to for sure, but just kind of looking back on my four years at Alabama, kind of in May, uh, spending time with my, my friends at Alabama and kind of rounding out that whole season of my life was a pretty special time just because you recognize you're probably not going to get it with that group again, get that time back. And so, um, you know, just appreciating all the happened over those four years um it's, it's kind of hard to to wrap it all up into 2022 but that's kind of this season's been a lot of looking back and uh positively reminiscing yeah a lot of good sense. things to take away and a lot for of sure. things to look forward to uh, one of those things we want to see for both Sanford and Alabama are some wins going into 2023 Alabama's had a little bit more uh ease with that than Sanford probably <laughs> a little bit better luck as well yeah, injuries and, and stuff like that Sanford currently sitting at six and seven, Alabama at ten and two, the Crimson Tide are number eight in the country. We're gonna start here in Birmingham and we're gonna move uh, southwest to Tuscaloosa to talk about the Crimson Tide, but starting with Sanford, six and seven, won their first six, lost their last seven. Conference play starts tomorrow as the Bulldogs welcome the Mercer Bears into the Pete Hanna Center. Britain, tell me what has what happened at the beginning of the year and then the injuries that happen, um, close overtime road losses against quality teams like DePaul and UCF. Tell me you know, a little bit about, you know, the season summary so far. Yeah, uh, up and down would be a very um, appropriate way to describe it. Unlike Alabama basketball, where it's been completely unpredictable at times over the years, where it's, you know, up, down, up, down. It, it was, it's been one major up and one major down so far. Um, a lot of it's injuries, and another thing is just one possession games that haven't gone our way. Uh, Kim Palm has us ranked as the, I think, 354 teams in NCAA D1. Is that right? Yeah. We're ranked 354th in the country in uh, the luck rating, which is just to say in these one and two possession games, uh, it just not going our way, things not going the way they typically go. Um, so obviously, if, if a few shots were or were not made... Uh, one way or another, we could easily be sitting here ten and two right now, feeling completely different about it. Um, you know, injuries are something you can't control, and um, so that's something we're trying to really bounce back from. Obviously, Quez Glover, uh, hopefully, will be back uh, in a few weeks, but big loss uh, just it gets our offense going. Really, is kind of the head of the snake uh, in a lot of what we do. But um, you know, all we can do is control what we can control, and so. Going into conference play, we're zero and zero. That's kind of the reality we're facing. And and the beauty of a one-bid league is at the end of the day, what you do in the non-conference doesn't really matter. Obviously, if you're an incredible team and maybe you're fighting for seeding with some of your non-conference wins, but ultimately you're not going to 
make it or not make it because of what you do in the non-conference. Right. It's all about March and your conference tournament. Yeah. So that's all we're preparing for. And it's to get you ready, like you said, yeah. for that conference tournament, conference play, then conference tournament. Uh, obviously wanting to have the most productive conference season in the regular season so you can get that good rating, good ranking and then play well uh, in that tournament up in Asheville. I think one thing that's been interesting too that I've seen parallels in your career, you know, we look back at the COVID year at Alabama. Started 4 and 3 and then there was a run. Last year at Sanford, you weren't uh on campus, you were still at Alabama, but Sanford had, you know, a run kind of like this, but this run of injuries and misfortunes kind of fell early on in conference play. It's happened mm-hmm. a little bit earlier this year, which yep. hopefully will be better to be able to bounce back. But talk a little bit about SOCON conference play. You mentioned the one bid league. Just talk about the importance of winning those games, uh, having, you know, being able to win at home, trying to steal a couple on the road and get as highly ranked as you can to go into that tournament, which is going to be played uh, late February, early March in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're viewing this as tomorrow is the first game that in reality matters. And that's it's kind of a backwards way to say it. Obviously, we care about every game. We want to go in and win every single game. But we know that this one counts. Um, and so our mindset is from a, from a program and fan perspective, we want Sanford to be the best home court advantage in all the SoCon. So um, we want to protect home court and win every single game at home. But... Uh, the reality is we are trying to prepare the best we can for March and put us in a, the best possible position to succeed in March. And so obviously getting the one seed, getting the two seed would put us in a better chance to succeed than getting the six or seven seed. And so we're trying to win these games and um, really just keep getting better. We're focused on us right now, you know. And that's always kind of been what Bucky preaches, focus on us, control what you can control. What's What's been... Uh, what are some of his other messages that he's talked about through these close games, tough losses, and then even some of the wins to start off the season? Don't get too high on the highs and don't get too low on the lows. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, every great team, every great group has to fight through some adversity. Um, Even the teams that, even the Alabama football teams have perfect records. I'm sure if you were in the locker room for the day-to-day, you would see the adversity that that team had to fight through. Um, and so this is just the adversity we're having to go through right now. And so we should invite it. Obviously, by saying we should invite it, it doesn't mean we invite more losses. But it just means that we invite uh, all the challenges that are coming our way and we, we look forward to overcoming it. And so we know that once when we do overcome this adversity and, and accomplish what we know we're capable of accomplishing at the end of the day, um, it's going to be a really special feeling. So yeah. That's kind of our mindset with it. For all those that follow Sanford basketball, and we're going to get to Alabama here in a second, but those that look around the SoCon, uh, obviously Furman is a notable team. Chattanooga, tell me about some of the, the teams in this conference. and who you, I mean, you have every game circled on your schedule, but uh, who should fans be aware of as some of the front runners in the conference as we approach a new year in conference play? So what's great about the SoCon is it's really um, a 10-team league where all 10 teams are very good. Now, if, if you wanted to circle one team, it'd be Furman. Um, they were turning a lot of their key players. They were a half-court shot away from going to the tournament last year, really got it just snatched out of their hands um, in an overtime thriller. Um, so they're the expected winner of the conference, if you will. Um, going in, they're the heavy favorites. Uh, so that'd be the team to circle. But Really, top to bottom, it's just a really good league where you have a bunch of very high IQ players and a, and just a lot of talented teams that play really, really well together. 
Um, it's a league where you can't make mistakes or they will just kill you all day. Um, and I say that, you, you know, you think the SEC, uh, obviously there's probably more talented players overall in the SEC if you talk about athleticism and some of those other things. But you can get away with a mental error here and there and they might not kill you. Um, it's not that way in the SoCon. Obviously, sometimes a team like Alabama could play a team in the SoCon and maybe overwhelm them with their athleticism. But uh, they're not going to make mistakes. You know, you just got to be really smart with how you play and make the right decision. And, and over the course of the game, hopefully that adds up to a win. I remember back when we were in high school, Bucky would always talk about when you get to Jacksonville, when you get to the BJCC, mm-hmm. there's going to be these one, two, and three-point games, and that's just the way that it is. So you got to be prepared to be able to play in those situations. Uh, same thing in college, but it's it's in conference play. It's it's once you get and, – and y'all have had that experience in non-conference play, playing these higher-level teams, Power 5 teams on the road, heading to uh, one, two – There were, it was double overtime versus DePaul. Am I correct in that? No, just single just single overtime. overtime. And then there was also overtime versus yeah, UCF. And, two overtime um, losses. I'm getting that and the, the North Carolina-Alabama game confused because that was another track That's, meet. It's four overtimes in that yeah. one. But Great. but it gets to that point where you know you don't have to you shouldn't be nervous in a in a one possession game with two minutes left because that's what you should expect mm-hmm. that's how the games are supposed to happen so that should be the expectation going into it um, any any final remarks as we get ready for the exciting action that is going to be conference play as we talk as we move from Sanford now to Alabama yeah I mean basically it all starts tomorrow uh, we have Mercer at home. Uh, so if you're in the Birmingham area and you want to watch some good basketball, come on out 6 p.m. Um, and it's on ESP, uh, sorry, ESPNU as well if you are not able to come to the game. So um, fortunate enough to have a game that's on national television. So if you want to support the Bulldogs, that's that's an easy way to start. So that's where it all gets started tomorrow. And, and as not every game is on uh, national television, you can also get it on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, very easy to pay 10 bucks. A month and watch all those Sanford games on the road. And then if you're in Birmingham, of course, you should be at all the games because it's right over there in Homewood. Very easy to get to. Very exciting. Also, I'm, I'm excited to try and get down to Tuscaloosa and get to an Alabama game this Absolutely. year. I texted you, Britton. I think it was – it's been over this Christmas break. I, maybe it was last it's, week. I think the Jackson State game Jackson State, yeah. I was trying to see if you wanted to go. Y'all had already gone up to Belmont. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, Alabama, 10-2, and two, number eight in the country, wins two wins over number one teams already uh this year the most thrilling i think being at houston being down 15 not to mention beating north carolina who's fell who's fallen a little bit from grace Mm -hmm. but in a four overtime thriller uh what what have your guys at alabama been saying in y'all's communication and what has impressed you about alabama and their dominance so far this season yeah i mean i think i mean i i think i said this earlier in that um from the summer i was hearing that this team's going to be special um, and that I, I remember hearing two things. I remember hearing that there is incredible buy-in in this team. Um, and that, man, this Brandon Miller kid is really something special. I think both of those things have panned out really well early on. Um, a fast start for Alabama. Uh, obviously there's still things that need to be improved upon. And that's something that's consistent upon the natives tenure in that early in the year, it's always a little sloppy with the turnovers. I know that a lot of Alabama fans are, are just about fed up with the turnovers, but I, I think over the course of the year it will come down as the team just gets a little sharper and fine-tuned. And, and that comes with playing at that high high rate and high level. Oh, of course. Um, you're yeah, yeah, you're yeah. going to have at least 10 to 15 turnovers a game 
and Alabama seemingly has averaged 20 a game <laughs> for the last five to six years, it seems like, for good or for worse. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but, man, I've just been so impressed with the team. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, the Houston game, I remember telling people like, this will be a great uh, kind of point of comparison. Like, we, we're going to be able to kind of see where this team, a great litmus test for this team. Um and and just seeing how they responded to adversity, I was looking at the t- the closing group being really the six guys that were in the last two minutes were six dudes that were not on the floor for Alabama last year. It was the uh, five freshmen or the four freshmen, Mark Sears and and Amari Burnett, and um, man, it's just a tough minded group. Like I, I had nothing else to say other than those are some tough MFers out there. Those dudes can ball. Um, some ballers. And that's not to take away from the guys that are returning who have also been fantastic. Um, but just to say the the collective group, it's it's such a deep team, such a great defensive team. Um, which that's the main thing is is people forget Two years ago, what made us so successful really wasn't our offense, though we had a good offense. It was our defense. I mean, we were the second best, according to Kim Palm, second best defensive team in the country uh, two years ago. Last year, that's where we dropped off. We were actually better offensively last year, according to Kim Palm, even though that's going to be very hard for some Alabama fans to believe because we couldn't hit the bright side of a barn some days. Um, but I think it was our offensive rebounding that kind of boosted us up to the top 12, top 10 offensively last year. So really seeing the return to that defensive identity this year has been the biggest thing. And and you can see how they're successful at it, uh, just in that their length and athleticism and just their on-ball defense is phenomenal. And they fly around. So it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. Defense and rebounding wins you a lot of games. And that's really, I mean, you can talk about the three-point shooting, and that's what's beautiful about NATO's basketball is that you can talk about the three-point shooting and the flashy offense all day, but when it comes down to it, it's the nitty gritty tough stuff. I mean, the blue collar stuff, if you will, that wins these games. So it's been a lot of fun to watch these guys. I'm excited to get uh, to watch this conference play because they have a tough stretch coming up. Uh, As we were talking about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Kentucky at Arkansas. Um, You know, we've struggled at the hump in past years. So I'm excited to watch them tomorrow night as well. I think you look at Alabama and the thing that defines them is not only their ability and the, the, the how they've meshed this year so far, mm-hmm. the strength of schedule, playing high-quality teams, beating most high-quality teams. Uh, UConn looks really good, side yeah. note there. But yeah, you look at who's, who's going to step up on a nightly basis. It, it might be Mark Sears. It might be JQ coming off the bench. If Namari can get healthy, which I think and we expect that he will here soon, you know, sure. you look at Namari. Uh, everyone talks about Brandon Miller. He's been on the spotlight. But, man, Noah Clowney has been unbelievable. He's a gem. He is a gem. He truly is a gem. And I think he's buying himself, if he continues the trend that he's on, into a first-round player. Uh, no question. Uh, possibly even sneaking into a lottery pick. Because he's so he's, he's invaluable. He's irreplaceable. So, you know, when you get to this stretch of, of conference play, yes, other teams play well. Other teams have good chemistry. Other teams have had good experience. But... You know who's going to step up on any given night for Alabama? It could be two dudes. It could be three dudes off the bench. It could be two starters. It could be a mix of the two. I I just hadn't. Alabama basketball hasn't seen a roster like this um, either since we were really little and we didn't know anything about Alabama or 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 before we were alive um, in in the in the golden era of the nineties. Uh, so it, it's been. 
the, the it's it's a great time to be an Alabama basketball fan if you know basketball because a lot of Alabama basketball fans, just be frank, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they see on the court. So uh, that has been interesting to follow. And this gauntlet, I mean, let's go through the schedule here. You got Mississippi State on the road in the hump. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Gumps in the hump. <laughs> You've got. Uh, Ole Miss, which they're not a very good program, but night in, night out, you never know who's going to show up. Uh, You've got early on, you've got Kentucky, you've got Arkansas, Tennessee, I think, is in week three or four. Uh, And a lot of these teams you end up recycling. you got to go to a quality LSU team. And up and down, you know, the SEC is is, loaded. Would you say it's the best league in college basketball? It's the best, not only the best league in college basketball, you know, I've Having played there four years is better than any of those years. I was in the SEC. For just top to bottom, the strength of the league is really impressive. Yeah. Um, let's let's go talk some specifics about the Crimson Tide. You mentioned that Houston game. Let's talk about the Gonzaga game because a lot of people have mixed opinions on Birmingham. The Crimson Tide doesn't have a winning record necessarily in the last five, six, seven years. Uh, losses to Clemson, Oregon, Texas, Gonzaga, Davidson last year, uh, a win over Samford a couple years ago, and Scott Padgett's last year. A, a win that Alabama had a double-digit lead and nearly blew against a Samford team that was not very good. Um, but tell me about, because you played there in high school, you played there in college, what is it with that gym? What is it with Alabama? Because uh, I think it, it, is a, it is a net positive thing for Alabama to get that experience to play in that gym. No, for sure. It's a good thing. And I know I saw a lot of kind of feedback of like, why are we even playing games in Birmingham? We obviously don't play great there. Um, first of all, I think if you're judging how we play against a really good Gonzaga team as like the we shouldn't ever play in Birmingham, I, I don't know if that's the one to do it on. Um, Gonzaga's just a really good team that shot it, the lights out of the gym uh, that day. and I mean, Timmy was unstoppable. Yeah, their mid-range shooting was unbelievable. And, and not to say that's what we'll give up, but it's a, it's kind of what we give up. So, you know, like you have to kind of pick your poison with some of these teams. And like, if they're going to shoot that well in the mid range, we're going to struggle defensively. And um, so my overall thing on Birmingham is like, it is such a positive for the state of Alabama with basketball to have games in any of these big cities, you know, Birmingham, Huntsville, we played a couple games in Huntsville. Uh, I know they played in Mobile this year. Um it's a very good, I mean, we pretty much played in Montgomery when we go down to Auburn, which is in West Georgia. Um, but it's a, it's a, such a net positive for the state to see. I mean, if you had told me as just a kid growing up here that I could go 10 minutes down the street and watch Alabama play Gonzaga, who was just a national powerhouse. Um, and has been over the last 20 yeah. years. I don't think I would have ever thought that they would have agreed to come to Birmingham and play a neutral site non-conference game. Like that's that's a crazy thing for the Alabama to to get, and it says so much about how far we've come as a program. And also, just is so good for the state in terms of I I just know in ten years there are going to be people that their fandom started when they got to go watch the Tide play in Birmingham against Gonzaga. And, and, you know, they might have been so young they might not even remember the result of that game. Now I know that's not the argument for like the effectiveness of the games there. But I, I don't think, I mean, shoot, you guys saw Brandon Miller shoot that day. I don't think that the, anything was wrong with the gym. I mean, yeah. that was one of the best shot-making performances I've ever seen in college basketball, or for sure this year. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to go with the full 
pro-Birmingham stance that we should play every game there. I know that there is some talk. Maybe there. when we tear down our Coliseum. Yeah, I'll uh, say, I remember when they said they were going to renovate it, they might play all the home games in Birmingham. I'm not going to go that far. But playing there once we need every building year and la- or We two. need building and labor costs to go down, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll leave that to the politics podcast out there. That's for um, Zach Pate to discuss. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but yeah, I think playing there every year or two is... is such a net positive playing in Huntsville, playing in Mobile, um, home, away, neutral, whatever. And, you know, obviously the South Alabama game was an away game, but just getting to see the Tide play for some of these fans that I, I think too many Alabama fans just take for granted that they can drive an hour down to Tuscaloosa. Um, there are a lot of people who don't have the opportunity, whether it be time, money, whatever, to be able to just regularly drop everything they're doing and Listen, go watch not, Alabama basketball even, play. Even middle-class people can't afford a $15 cheeseburger in Coleman Coliseum, so there's a lot of things we got to fix. dots, you know. Exactly. Thank you, Mark Jennings. Uh. <laughs> but, Britton, I think, I think one thing that we could hopefully see, and there's been discussions about this, and I think coaches have talked about, I'll, I'll play anybody anywhere, especially Ned Oates has said that, Bucky has said that, uh, Pearl has said it, I think Kennedy would 100% agree at UAB. Mm-hmm. But even with these other schools like South Alabama, Troy, Jacksonville State, UNA, there's an opportunity to have a showcase in Birmingham. And you don't have to match up UAB with Alabama. We know that's going to happen. not going to happen. You can't get Alabama-Auburn because of conference play deals. But Mm -hmm. you can get Alabama-Auburn, Troy, Sanford, UAB, North Alabama, South Alabama, um, and even some smaller schools to play in a showcase, a a two-day thing, and just... Mm -hmm. You know, have more of those uh, what what Bama Pro updates would call Yellowhammer Cups. Yeah, uh, ha- have more opportunities for for in state matchups because basketball is growing and it's you know arguably better here than uh, plenty of other surrounding states and and regional states. So, I think that's uh, that's something important we've got to we've got to grow and we've got to realize predictions for Alabama in an eighteen game SEC season. Can you give me can you, can you give me a record? Oh man, that's tough. That's tough. Jim Dunaway put on uh, the next round social media today. I think he said he had Alabama at fifteen and three with a loss to Eric Musselman. And I don't think there's anybody I'd rather Al- I'd see Alabama beat than Eric Musselman in Arkansas. Maybe the team in West Georgia a couple of times. Yeah, I'd like to see a sweep over them, yeah. but that na- we just naturally split with Auburn. So, but um, man, to put me on I, to think about a record because here's the deal: I don't want to undershoot it and then have y'all come back in a couple months and say I was doubting the tide, which I never do. But I just think the SEC is so good that we're bound to drop a couple games here and there. Um, there's going to be one game that we probably are supposed to win that just, whether it be because we shoot two for 20 from three or what, that doesn't go our way. I mean, I think we're going to finish really strong at 13 and five, 14 and four. I was, I was going to say, if you're um, a gambling man, you put the, the over under at 13 and a half, maybe 14 and a half if yeah. you're feeling dangerous. And if uh, the thing is with the league being as strong as it is, fourteen and four might be good enough to win the league. Uh, maybe not outright, but at least a share of the regular season crown. Um, because you know Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee—they're all going to buy for it. Um, you know, I'm sure Auburn's going to claim that they are contenders, and they're still going to be a good program. So, um, you go top to bottom. There are not very many bad programs. I mean, even I look at Vandy, who. Um, looks to be kind of back down again this year, but um, I I just really think Stackhouse is a good coach. Like we saw a lot of what they did well last year. Um, we saw it a little too well uh, in Tampa, 
But um, all this to say, like, there aren't really many gimme games. Yeah. Like, you talk about Ole Miss, like, yeah, Ole Miss, that, that's a good game. Alabama's going to be expected to win for sure. But, like, the the beauty of conference play is there's no game that you can take for granted anymore. Um, you know, Alabama kind of took that Jackson State game for granted, and you saw it in the first half, and it was a one-point game. And that's that's a reality for Division One basketball. But the thing is, Alabama, over the course of 40 minutes, was able to separate themselves. Um, if you kind of go in there and take a game for granted, especially on the road in the SEC, you might as well chalk it up for a loss. Right. Um, so, look, I think 13-5, 14-4, and I would be very proud of Alabama if they accomplished that. Yeah. So. All right. Top and as at thirteen and five, fourteen and four. Is that I love yours to see as well? That. What's yours? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fourteen and four. Mm, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna sharpie it down. Fourteen and four. Sharpie. I like uh, it. I don't think Alabama does worse than second in conference play. Um, and that could mean there's a two way tie for first, so they're like technically third. But um, I I see Alabama easily in the top three. Pending, mm. pending, you know, no, no injuries, and Namari right. Burnett comes back healthy and all that stuff. Um, a, a last question before we go, and I give you the last word: the SEC road schedule. Uh, we've talked on many podcasts. You can go back and listen on our platform stories of Luke Ratliff and I traveling the SEC. Give me your top three uh, arenas. I was going to say stadiums. Football mindset right now with bowl season. Top yeah. three SEC arenas to go play in uh, from an experience, from an environment. Uh, what What are your favorite three outside of Coleman Coliseum? Yeah, so I mean, one of the first ones that will come to mind is going to be one that doesn't make me very popular in the short term with Alabama fans. I, I love going to play at Auburn. And, and I think part of it is not even just the arena and the environment, although admittedly, given Auburn fans credit for that, it is great. They're a little gym up for ants. You it's, know? it's as big as that Amazon box it, sitting it, right there not, next to your It's share. not the largest. But I, I think also just growing up in the state, like recognizing the importance of that rivalry, um, it's so much fun. Like I think about when we played there two years ago and won. Granted, it was COVID. You could say less people there, whatever. It didn't feel like it was a a win with an asterisk next to it when we were in the locker room after. Yeah. So, or th- um, three years ago in that overtime game. OT, I like, mean, remember that was the place, the roof was about to blow yeah. off. So I, I love that gym. Um, I'm excited that uh, eventually we'll be able to build a gym that is smaller and more conducive to loud environments. Um a gym I love that's very similar to Auburn's, and I wouldn't put it at the top three just because the environment's never matched the gym itself, but as Ole Miss is, is a very nice gym. But I'd probably put Tennessee in that top three. Um, I, I love I love that gym. And then, I mean, I feel like you got to throw Rupp in there, even though Rupp's probably they, wasn't the best environment I've They have in. the best basketball fans, though. It's I mean, just, it feels like a pro. It feels like you're playing in a pro game. And and they know fans, when to get loud. They right. know they have a great feel for the game of basketball. Exactly, which but is fun, and they're they, appreciative of good basketball. And they do all of those things that you mentioned better, I would say, than most fans. Um, they travel all the you know than most fans in the SEC. No doubt. So okay, you've got you've got a Neville Arena. I was about to call it Auburn <laughs> Arena. You've got Neville. You've got whatever Ole Miss is. The name is really nice, and that was built. I think only a handful of I years ago. Newest one, yeah. Um, and then you've got Rupp, of course. All right, I want to say uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. You know, we do these podcasts uh, semi frequently now that Britain's at Sanford. We did them very frequently last year, and I know the the days are are dwindling um, where Britain gets to play college basketball and you get to 
listen to us if you so choose. Uh, but we really appreciate y'all listening to this podcast. We appreciate you following us on social media. Uh, this is a really special time, you know, in our lives where we get to see Britain play college basketball. We get to enjoy top tier Alabama football, top tier Alabama basketball. Uh, reconnect with great people in our lives, uh, like Britain coming back home to play at Samford. Uh, this is just a special time. It's special to be able to do this podcast. It's special that uh, a couple hundred of you actually enjoy listening to this. So I just want to say thank you uh, as we're in the Christmas and New Year season. Um, who knows you know, what this will hold in the future, but we really appreciate and enjoy doing this podcast and providing you uh, with interesting interviews, tidbits, facts, information, and stuff you may or may not care about. Uh, so for me, William, I really appreciate you, the listener, and uh, just want to say hey, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy New Year, thank you so much, and Britain has got the last word as we go into the new year. Man, I can't one-up that. That was, that was about as good of an end as you could have, but uh, man, just kind of as the holiday season progresses and uh, we continue through it. And you that was really woke of you. Well, at Christmas season, yeah. But <laughs> Christmas has passed. So I was kind you of go, I was lumping you, in New Year's. You go to holiday. a Baptist school. You I can was, say the Christmas season. But I was lumping in New Year's. You're a divinity it, student. Come um, on. Which is why I said holidays. But uh, just as you spend time with family, you know, I know for me, it just kind of a reminder of how blessed I am um, and just not to take any day for granted. So, uh, yeah, uh, be blessed and be a blessing. Yeah.